Thanks for tuning in to the Empowerment Project Podcast, a safe space for women of all walks of life to gather together, get honest, and discover more about the God-given identity and power we can claim through Christ. I'm your host, Michaela Modlin, and this podcast is a place of quiet retreat, girl talks, and scripture-inspired truths that challenge women to live changed. So get comfy, because we're about to get real. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Empowerment Project Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I hope that during this episode, you learn a little, you relate a little, and that you connect a whole, whole lot. For those of you who are new here, my name is Michaela Modulin, and I am the host of the Empowerment Project Podcast. I also run a blog, MichaelaModulin.com, and a YouTube channel where I share faith-based content like how I study my Bible, come to church with me, and different things that God is teaching me, as well as lifestyle content like makeup, productivity tips, and vlogs. If you want to keep up with me daily, go follow me on Instagram at McKaylin Modulin. On today's episode, we are doing a a Q&A advice episode. Um, You guys sent me some doozies. I told you guys to submit questions through my Instagram story and to submit long form questions um, to me by email. Some of those were very detailed and lengthy, which is honestly so beautiful. And I'm so honored that you guys allow me to just see into your heart and just trust me with your heart. Um, For the sake of the podcast, length. I'm going to only answer five short, shorter questions and then five long form questions. If I didn't get to answer your question on the podcast, you'll receive or have already received a response from me in your email. Just FYI for everyone, you don't have to wait for a Q&A advice episode opportunity to email me. I'm always available and excited to hear from you and walk with you. I love each and every one of your hearts and how compelled you feel to please the Lord. You guys are seriously so amazing and I love you so much. Okay, I'm done. We're just going to go ahead and get into this episode. Um, so let's crack open the first question. So Question number one, how do you know when you've done all that, or wait, how do I know when I've done all that I can to teach someone the gospel and should ease off since they are not listening? Um, I wouldn't say like, I don't, okay, so we know that the word of God is never null and void. It never falls flat. So I think even if we say like, they're not listening. Like, how do I know to ease off? Because I know they're not listening. I don't think that's always the truth. Sometimes they're just not ready to receive it. Um, I think that those things are always planting seeds. So never feel like by you sharing the gospel that it's like not doing anything. Regardless of if you can see fruit or not, it is doing something. You're planting a seed. You're sparking a thought. You are like something is going in. We just, you know, just because they're not acting on it doesn't mean that nothing has happening. It's happening. We know that Christ was criticized by the Pharisees for um, sitting down to dinner and dining with sinners. And Christ, Jesus answered this by saying that his message was needed. So his message, the gospel was needed by the man who was sick and who was in sin rather than the righteous man. Um, So I think that the people that aren't listening are the ones who need to hear it the most. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that we need to continue to like just overload people. And like, if we've said what we've said, um, you know, we can, we can rest in the fact that we have, we have done that. And, um, so I don't think that, let me go back to the question. 
should ease off since they're not listening. Okay, so I think that this is actually a perfect opportunity for you to just start doing life with them. Maybe um, so that you've told them the gospel, you've shared things with them, you've shared your heart, you've shared the truth with them. Now just do life with them and let them see the fruit of the gospel in your life. Because we know that most of the times that will speak louder than you just sharing something just kind of off the cuff and like, you know, watching you walk that out will speak so much more so much more volume to them than hearing, you know, hearing a lecture or whatever. Sometimes you got to see something acted out. Um, and so just doing life with them, allowing them into intimate moments of your life and how you cope with certain things, how you show grace to people, how you love on people, how you are happier with Jesus, you know, invite them to do a Bible study, invite them to just, you know, just to dinner with you. And, and you don't even have to bring up God, just speak life and truth and love over them and, and indirectly share the word of God with them without saying like this is the word of God. So if they're struggling with something, you can easily say like, there's a plan and a purpose for your life. And you don't have to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, but you just spoke Jeremiah 29, 11 over them. They're going to recognize that in their spirit as hope and love. And they're going to want to continue to come back to you to have their well filled. And as they're thirsting for whatever it is that you have, it will be revealed to them in time that it is Jesus. So, um, I would say like, yeah, kind of ease off maybe from, you know, explicitly just being like, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. You need to take it. You need to learn it. You need to know it. You need to blah, blah, blah. And just ask them to walk alongside you. You know, like that's what Jesus did with the disciples. They just did life together, you know, and you know, you've done your part by sharing the gospel with them. Now walk into life with them and show them what the gospel looks like in action. That's a beautiful question. I love it. Um, someone, this one broke my heart. Someone said, everyone in my grade hates me. I have no friends. What should I do? So this one, as you guys know, is going to cut me so, so deep. If you know my testimony, um, it cut real deep because I have been here. Um, this literally sounds like something I would have said. So I completely understand where you are coming from. My heart literally goes out to you. Um, I feel like I can feel you. I just... I, I hate that. I would say, you know, on a lighter note with the quarantine and everything that's going on, you know, maybe you won't have to really go back to school. And so um, I don't really know what's going on. I would assume that if people in your grade, quote, hate you, um, then you aren't feeling loved by them. Um, and they may be doing things to make you feel unloved. And so I'm really glad that hopefully you won't be back in that situation um, anymore right now. And so you can kind of take a break and, um, you know, from being around people that are maybe toxic or, or are unhealthy for you, I would say, and as you're moving kind of into the, I guess you would say summer if you guys aren't going to go back to school, but re regardless, you know, you're going to have a few weeks off of school. I would maybe like talk to your parents about, um, you know, and I think this is obviously going to differ from um, person to person. So I'm not saying just go ahead and do this, but I think if it's affecting you um, really seriously, you know, maybe look into going to a different school if you can. And I know that's really hard. That was a really tough decision that I had to make. Um, but I would say it was better for me and I wish I would have gone there forever. I wish I would have just always been there. Um, and, you know, just really take this time to seek God out on your identity and who you are. So I would say, like, 
for me, when I was going through that, it was really hard for me to cope with people not liking me because I didn't know who I was. And so for you, I would say it will hurt a lot less if you know who you are in Christ. Because, babe, wherever you go in life, there are going to be people that don't like you. And I can honestly say going through that season of people not liking me has made me exactly who I am today. Like I I know it wasn't God's plan for well, you know, he said, you know, okay, he says in his word that, you know, if people don't like you, they they first did not like me. So we get it. But I don't think that God, God does, is not pleased. He's not, he does not rejoice and he gets no um, satisfaction out of you hurting. So know that this is not from God, but God can work it together for your good and you can impact so many lives um, by this season that you're walking through right now. And you're going to be able to pour into other girls um, through the things that you learn in this season. So I would really be intentional about getting alone with God and asking him to define you figure out what your pain points are. And it's really awesome that you get these two weeks to kind of just be alone with him. And so ask him, what are the things that he loves about you? Because there's honestly so much and just sit down in front of the mirror and ask him to just reveal those things to you. And the more that you become in touch with who you are, it's not going to matter because when you realize who you are in Christ, that is all, that's going to be completely unshakable. No matter what people say about you, no matter what people believe about you, you being secure in Christ is going to be what sustains you throughout all of it. So no matter what stones are thrown at you, um, you know, you are going to be able to walk boldly and with confidence and the stones are going to fall at your feet and you're going to keep one foot in front of the other being completely unaffected. And I know that sounds so far out of reach because it is so, so tough to do. But I promise if you allow God to define you, it will just become your natural reaction to things. And so I want you to know that I am praying for you and I'm partnering with you and I adore you and I adore your heart. Um, and I just, I think there's, there's so much good that's going to come from this. It's hard to see it right now and know that, you know, God is completely on your side. And also as you begin to walk in this confidence and this known confidence that you're about to have, um, you are going to attract the right, the right people know that the people that are hating on you right now are not your people. They're not the people that are going to carry you far in life. It's almost just a wash. Another thing you can do is pray for them, um, and show them grace. Don't retaliate. Don't hate on them. Don't gossip about them. Um, pray for them, show them grace, show them love and don't pray for them. in a snotty way, like I'm, you know, I'm praying for you because you need Jesus. Like just genuinely pray for them, pray because there's some reason there's something that they're going through in their own hearts that are making them act the way that they're acting towards you. Um, so pray for them, be gracious to them, um, love them and just show them mercy and smile at them. And just, I think this is a really good learning opportunity opportunity for you right now. And sometimes the best learning opportunities come through the worst pain. So just keep one foot in front of the other. I'm praying for you. You are amazing. And I know you're going to do really, really amazing things. So do not let this discourage you. I promise things will make sense um, a few years from now. Someone said, how are you dealing with fear? I'm so freaked out about everything going on right now. So, okay. I asked this on my, um, I saw this this response to the question. And I was like, I wonder how many people are struggling with fear right now. I was really saddened by the amount of people that are struggling in this. And I, I don't mean that in a, in a condemning way at all. I think it's totally valid. I think it's totally, um, you know, it, it, your feelings are super valid, especially with the information that we're being given and everything that's going on and the extreme measures that we, everybody is taking. Um, so I think that you are completely valid 
in this, but I know, and you know that God doesn't want you to live in fear. So, um, I would say my advice for you would be to rep recognize the weapon. Whenever, whenever we are in fear, the first thing that we need to do is recognize what the weapon is. In this case, this disease is the weapon and it is inflicting fear and panic and stress and hesitation and doubt on believers. And this is, this is sad to me because, um, probably, probably if you're following this account, you more than likely believe in God and are a Christian. If you're not, this is going to take a little bit of a different sort of turn. But I think the first thing that is important to remember is to recognize the weapon, which I stated, but the Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Um, and so that is a, a truth and a promise that I am choosing to hold on to and hold tight um, to because I believe the promises of God. Um, another thing is to recognize the source of your fear. So God will never plant a seed of fear inside your life. He does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. So if you are struggling with fear, I think the first thing to recognize is like, of course, we don't want to, we don't want to listen to anything that is not of God, right? So I would say the first thing to do is to recognize that this fear is not of God. So what power does it hold in your life? What truth does it stand on at all? The, the God of the universe is on your side. The God who created everything, who spoke everything into existence is on your side and no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. You were bought with a price. If it was this easy, there would have been no reason for Jesus to go to the cross. If it would have been this easy for come, someone to come and steal, and then then what price did, did Jesus have to pay? If, if death had any reign, if, if Satan had any reign over you, you have ultimate power and ultimate authority over Satan because of whose you are and who you belong to. So I would say that the first step is to recognize the weapon, rep recognize the enemy, and then start to combat it. Just, just like war. Never been in war, but well, kind of spiritual war. But, um, the next thing to do is to pray, but not, okay, you, you can definitely, actually, I encourage absolutely praying about the situation 100%, but also pray about your reaction to the situation. Um, it's because I think, I, I mean, absolutely pray, pray about everything that's going on. Pray for the people who've been in, inflicted, pray for the people that, um, you know, who don't know Jesus, pray for the people that are scared and fearful and panicked and who have maybe lost a loved one who are sick right now, who are on ventilators, pray for the, um, the uh, medical staff, everyone who is who is on the front lines of this, pray for them, but also pray for yourself so that you can be a light in this situation. Um, some things that I pray over myself is like, God, give me a peace that transcends all understanding. So I would say like for you, it's important to have a fresh revelation of God's steadfastness and his faithfulness, because if you were operating in fear, chances are you are out of touch with um 
or not out of touch, but you may be struggling with trusting God with something. So remember that there is no fear in love. Um, and, and, you know, just claim over yourself. Like I want to operate in steadfast faith. And then another thing that we probably need to do, and I've had to do this before too, and it's, it kind of hits hard, but repent for holding the voice of, of fear more valuable than the voice of the Lord. And this is really, really tough because it takes a real big gut check to recognize that you've been holding the voice of the enemy at higher value and higher standard than you've been holding the voice and the promises of the Lord. So repent for doing that. Like there's such power in repentance and and recognizing that you've been doing this because you can't, you know, pull a weed out without recognizing that it's a weed and that it needs to go, you know? So recognize that that is the issue and and when things are brought into the light it's much much harder for them to survive so recognize it call it to attention and just remove it from your heart and be like, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to hold your promises and hold your voice to a higher value and a higher standard um, than anything else in my life. So what does your word say about this? What does your word say about this situation? What is the godly way to go about this and, you know, move forward in that, in those promises and in that truth? Um, Read Psalm 91. I read this. um, Actually, my pastor brought it up at church. And, oh, I don't, I thought I had it pulled up in my Bible right now. Um, hang on. I can grab it real quick. Um, it was really, really good. I posted it on my Instagram story. Psalm 91 says, I'll read it to you guys really quickly. It's not too long. Um, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the devil's pestilence, which means um, death or disease or sickness. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand. So this is could even be in terms of other countries, other states, other, you know, whatever, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes. Claim that I will only observe with my eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Not sure that totally correlates here because I'm not sure that this is this plague is a judgment, but okay. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. So come near what is yours for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I love this. Verse 14 through 16, I think are just wonderful. If you are doing the Lord's work, if you love him, if you are 
honoring him and you are acknowledging his name. He wants you to live a long life. He will deliver you and honor you because you are doing his work on earth, discussing the gospel with people who need to hear it. Like we talked about earlier, that is the work of the Lord. And those are the things that he delights in and he will protect you as you continue to do his work. So that is how I have been dealing (laughs) with fear. So recognize that our hope is that we have so many opportunities to be the light in the darkness of this situation. Like the, the world is literally in such darkness and in such fear right now that it is, this is like prime time for Christians to exemplify our faith and people are fearful and you know show them the hope that you have in Jesus and lead them to Jesus make them wonder how you're so calm and you're so peaceful and you're so joyful and filled with so much hope they're going to be intrigued by that because fear is not a thing that anybody wants to feel and so they're going to be seeking out these things and it's important to make sure that you know how to address your faith when you are questioned about it because people are going going to have questions. So look at this as an opportunity to glorify Jesus and to not be fearful of what is to come. So someone said, I'm devastated about my school, my friends, and about the quarantine, all of it. How do I keep myself from falling into depression? I don't think it's all hit me yet. So this is so sad and my heart is so broken um, for people who are in school right now. So I don't know, especially if like, I don't know. I read this as, as though it's like a senior or something like that, but I really don't know if you're in high school or college or freshman year, junior year, senior year or whatever. But I will say this would be so, so hard for me to walk through, especially if it was during like my senior year at my university. I would be heartbroken, especially for like college students who, you know, there's not like a home base, you know, you know, what I mean, they're not going to run, run into them during Thanksgiving break anymore, you know, and like, like you would if it was a high school or, or whatever. So I think the hope is if it's high school, you know, I, I, I still understand obviously the experiences and things that are going to be missed and how sad it is. Um, but if it's people, you know, you are going to still run into those people and, and maybe make an effort to, try to catch up with them soon. And I think really it's just an opportunity for us to, I try to look at everything as an opportunity. So if I say that a million times throughout this episode, I'm so sorry, but an opportunity to just, you know, remember to not take for granted the relationships that we have. And it's so wild because it's like, even when things are taken from us, it's, you know, we can be like, well, make an effort to, you know, go see them and and hang out with them and stuff. And it's like, but when human interaction is withheld from you, it's very, very hard. Like, even like my grandpa right now, like I'm like, I want to see him even more because things are scary and it's like, you know, confusing and everything, but it would be harmful for me to go and interact with him. And so I, I completely understand where all of this like grief is coming from, especially if you had hopes of, you know, graduation and now that's not happening or you had hopes of, um, prom and that's not happening. And it's so, so devastating. And, and I'm so sorry. Um, thankfully, you know, FaceTime is something that we all have access to. And so I think that there are so many things that we can do to, you know, stay in touch and and everything. And I just feel like, you know, even some people I know are quarantined with family members that 
are really hard to get along with or, you know, going to college and being away was an escape and it's really hard whenever things get ripped from you so quickly. Uh, you know, if you were living at college and then all of a sudden you had to be at home all of a sudden, like I know some people like got noticed today that they had to be moved out of their dorms by 3 p.m. tomorrow and it's like, oh my gosh. And it's like just at the beginning of last week or the end of last week or whatever, you were sitting in the dining hall and then now you're at home and your whole life has been uprooted and you're expected to just continue on as though nothing, you know, you're supposed to continue on to your school where it can just keep moving forward and while you're stuck in your parents computer room or whatever and it's it's really really hard and I think that um you know taking this and allowing it to shape you and become and grow more independent or more dependent on God and I think too it just helps us to understand that every moment is so insanely important and special and it really makes us grateful for the things that we have and cherish the memories that we do have and so I would say like try to just ramp up facetiming with people try to ramp up your gratitude test and most of all remember that this this is just a season and the feelings that you're feeling now are temporary and they will soften as you move forward in life. So remember that there is so much more to live for and falling into a depression or, um, you know, feeling these horrible feelings, like it's going to profit you nothing. Um, try to, try to, um, look at it, let, try to shape, shape your perspective into being, not being someone because, you know, don't change, but I think it's a wonderful thing to have a mindset that says, I'm going to take this and make the most out of it. I'm going to take this and do everything I can, squeeze every last ounce of goodness out of it because we know that God works everything together for the good of those who love him. So write a blog, journal, call a friend, um, you know, take this Take this situation and make the absolute most out of it. So if you're at home, focus on, you know, bettering relationships. Or if you're at home, try to see what good you can do at home. Start a Bible study at home for other people who may be struggling. Um, you know, reach out and however you feel that you can use this to impact or you can squeeze life out of, don't let Satan take control of the situation by allowing yourself to fall into a depression. I, I think you are completely valid in feeling upset and hurt um, and sad and you can feel all of those things, but just refuse to allow yourself to stay there and unpack and live there forever um, because there's so much more on the other side of this. And um, yeah, just know I'm praying for you and I'm so sorry. My heart is broken for all of you guys. Um, someone asked how to deal with being stuck between content and singleness and wanting a relationship. So definitely, I know I've said this before, wanting a relationship is definitely not a problem at all. I think that's a beautiful desire. And I think that, um, our desires align with God's desires, especially when it brings glory to him and it glorifies his name and it helps us to move forward in doing kingdom work. So if you are hopeful and praying and desiring a godly spouse or partner, I think that that's wonderful. And it's so, so I think it's so good. And I think God is delights in that. Um, it, but I think that uh, being stuck between content and singleness and wanting a relationship. Honestly, I don't think you're in a bad spot at all. If you are content in your singleness and desiring a relationship, I don't think that's a bad spot to be. Uh, I don't think there's a problem here or there's a you know an issue here. I think you can make 
good choices or bad choices on how you um, navigate this season, I would, um, if it were me, um, well, it is me kind of at this moment. So I think that's why I'm like, I don't think it's bad because I I would love a relationship. (laughs) But um, I think that there's definitely a right way to go about it and keeping God in the center of it. So, you know, maybe praying for your spouse and, you know, start, um, start um, equipping yourself to be um, a godly spouse or a godly partner to somebody else. So um, praying over them, praying over your future children, um, praying like praying for your house, praying for your finances, praying for their peace, praying for their heart and their leadership and, and everything and their mentorship, even everything that you are going to be praying for them. When you meet them, start praying for that. Now start, um, being a good steward of your partner now and, um, you know, start, um, you know, killing off your selfish tendencies and, and working to become a spouse that, um, is submissive to God. And that again is a, you know, Christian belief that I have as being submissive to God and then being submissive to my husband. And that's something that I'm excited to do. I'm excited to serve him and I'm excited to love him well and love him, um, you know, as Christ has called me to and to serve him as Christ has called me to and him in turn to me as well. So I think that you're in a really good position, I would say, just to start quipping yourself for a relationship because I feel like if God has laid the desire on your heart, then he's going he's gonna to bring it to pass. So definitely don't feel hopeless. Um, start moving forward and, um, you know, being a good steward of that relationship. Now equipping yourself and praying for them and seeking God out on the things that um, he's called you to be as a spouse. And then also, you know, praying to God about what qualities you want in a spouse and then claiming those things for your spouse. I know that might sound a little confusing, but, you know, for them to be gentle and so to speak and a good leader and a confident leader and, um, you know, not insecure and not, you know, all of these things and, and, praying and waging war for them already now before you've even met them. So, um, okay. So now we're going to get more into the long form questions. So I sometimes attend a, a small study group led by a girl I considered extremely spiritual, though I really look up to her. I'm struggling with the way she runs the group. It seems as if she wants me to fail or fall, fall into some sort of of sin so that she can fix me or correct me through her spiritual counseling. <laughs> no matter what I say, she turns it into an issue or like I'm not doing good enough. If I say I was worried about my car, I was worried my car wasn't going to start yesterday, it becomes a whole lecture on how it's sinful to worry. It is difficult to even make small talk with her without it um, some way turning into me failing. After I spend time with her, I feel awful, hopeless, and condemned. I feel overwhelmed and overburdened as if I can never do good enough. Do you have any wise counsel for me after, oh, do you have any wise counsel? Guys, I cannot read right now. Do you have any wise counsel for me about how to tackle this entire thing? I don't want, I don't know what to do and I'm starting to become resentful and I don't want to live that way. So this is hard. Um, one, because not the, I think you are t- totally trustworthy and wonderful, but sometimes when it's just one side, it's hard to see because we all have our own perspective of things. Taking this at face value and my 
initial reaction is that this is not a mentor that you need in your life. I think that it's important to begin distancing yourself from somebody that makes you feel this way or comes off so strongly as condemning. Um, you should never leave a mentor feel, feeling um, hopeless or awful or condemned. Any time that I meet with a mentee or somebody that um, I, that looks up to me spiritually or that I'm helping spiritually, I always want them to leave me feeling filled up and energized and excited and filled with hope and excited to do what the Lord has called them to do. I want them to feel um, like God has impact that that, that God has spoken to them, that God has given them hope. There's, there's no fruit that comes from us bashing someone over the head with the Bible and making them feel like less of a human for struggling with human things. Um, one of the great, one of one great characteristic of a leader is to show grace and to show mercy and to, to lead in love, not, you know, lead out of fear. And I have, um, experienced, um, leaders like this in my life that, um, you can never say anything right and they always want to fix you or correct you. It's like they are, they look at you as a project and anytime you go to talk to them, they're trying to figure out what your issue is. And I don't think that that's what all of our meetings should be. There's always going to be, well, there's not always going to be, but there are going to be times where correction, correction needs to happen, but it always needs to happen out of love. And when it is asked for or pursued, because if you, or well, most of the time, sometimes if, you know, there's a habitual sin that's occurring and you as a mentor have a responsibility to call it out um, and to help and guide and lead them. But being nitpicky and saying that your that your worry is a sin because we were worried about your car starting is um, not great. And I definitely, if you were my mentee and you were struggling with something like this, I would advise you to not return to the group, um, but to graciously and lovingly um, you know, mention something about, or, you know, I would need to know more about the situation. Reconciliate, like reconciling with somebody is definitely important, but sometimes we need to heal um, personally before we can seek that out. And um, especially depending on how often this happened, how long you've known her um, and so on. So, but I, my recommendation would be to not to return to the group. Um, but I would seek out other wise counsel or someone else who may know this individual, um, and someone that you can trust definitely to, um, you know, not not say anything and to hear your heart out on this and and your reservations with it. But my gut feeling is that no leader should make you feel this way, and no leader leads, no good godly leader leads out of fear. So like it leads people out of fear. So I would say this is definitely not a healthy spiritual environment for you to be in. And I would say that how to tackle this entire thing would be to start distancing yourself. And sometimes you don't always owe everybody a, um, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in, you know, owing people explanations. And sometimes you just don't. Um, if you feel that you, you owe them an explanation for not returning to the group, then I would say go ahead and do that. But I think if it is best for you spiritually, mentally, and emotionally to, um, you know, just say that you won't be returning and, you know, whatever, 
um, that you, you're going to be praying for the group and everything like that. I think that that's totally fine. Any obligation that's keeping you there, I'm not sure, um, is good enough reason to stay. If I'm being honest, if it's hurting your relationship with the Lord, um, because God doesn't want you in situations like that. Um, he wants you in in situations that are going to challenge your faith, but not hinder it and not hurt it. Okay. Someone said, I'm currently going through a lot. I'm a Christian and trying to be selfless and offer help where needed as well as be patient and slow to anger like Jesus. But my patience is running thin. (laughs) Girl, amen. No, I'm just kidding. I have been mentoring a few girls all year and a little bit of last year. And no matter how many times I give them advice, they never take it. They still choose to go out and party and live like the world the next morning. I have to in the next morning, I have to help them clean up the mess. What am I doing wrong? I really want to distance myself from them, but I also don't want them to think that I'm a terrible person. When do, where do Christians draw the line between helping people and being taken advantage of? So one, I'm not sure that you're doing anything wrong. I think I would have to know the situation. Um, it sounds like you are trying to be selfish and offer help um, where needed, you said. So it doesn't sound like you're offering unsolicited help. Um, and be as patient and slow to anger, anger like Jesus as possible. So I wouldn't say necessarily there's anything that tips me off that you're doing anything wrong. Sometimes people just love their lives and love their lives without Jesus and they want to continue to live it. Um, and this kind of reminds me of somebody that's, that's not ready to move into an intimate relationship with Jesus yet, but is intrigued by it. And so right now they're kind of dancing between the two worlds, which actually isn't possible either you're all in or you're all out um to be it's not good to be double-minded so you know paying attention to your sin and loving your sin um but then you know wanting someone who loves Jesus to clean it up I think they are just not ready for a relationship with Jesus right now so it doesn't sound like you're doing anything wrong I think they're just double-minded at this time um which again is not a reflection on you so I've that's something that I've had to come to terms with a lot as I lead people is that people's choices um you know after I've shared with them the truth it is not a reflection not always a reflection on me sometimes it is but you can tell when it's when it's not when it's just their decision and sometimes you cannot hold yourself responsible for that because it will drive you absolutely insane trying to keep all your ducks in a row which is again not our mission so you've shared Jesus with them and you are being Jesus to them and that's wonderful I think that also is important to notice here if you are being manipulated and which is so sad and so hard, but this happens a lot, especially with Christians, because we are so gracious and we are so, um, you know, continue to just like let people back in after they consistently don't, you know, don't align with, you know, what we, and not that, you know, they have to, but, you know, for them to take advantage of you, I think, I think they are taking, I think there is some sort some to some level or some extent, you know, without saying, without knowing exactly the situation, I would say that you are being taken advantage of, especially if they are having this expectancy for you to be there the next morning and clean everything up. I think it's really good for them to know that you were always there, but I've had to do this with people that I've mentored as well, but, um, not necessarily distance, but quit being a crutch. And I can explain that further, but first I want to solidify the fact that um, you don't 
you you don't have to be taken advantage of just because you're a Christian. Because first of all, Jesus knew when he was when people were trying to take advantage of him and he was not moved by their expectations. So go read John 6, 22 to 27. He was not moved by their expectations um, and he did not allow himself to be taken advantage of. And if God, if Jesus doesn't allow himself to be taken advantage of, then we don't have to either. But I would say um, in doing this and, and, you know, kind of distancing yourself from them or whatever, um, this is kind of what this looks like for me. Quit being the voice of God to them and start pushing them or directing them to the voice of God himself. Because in reality, like in, you know, the grand scheme of things, the only person that can change their heart is Jesus, is God, is that intimacy and that relationship, not you. So the more that you train them to come to you, they're not going to go to Jesus. So instead, like when they, when they come to you, just be like, you know, get alone with God, like give them a scripture or something to read, tell them to get alone with God and give them a worship song to listen to rather than trying to fix all of the problems that they've accumulated over the evening. So instead of them coming to you and you being like, no, you're beautiful. No, that shouldn't have happened. No, she shouldn't have said that you are worth so much more, blah, blah, blah. And just continuing to, to pour into them as, like continuing God to speak through you, start sending them to God himself. So I, cause I think this is actually a really beautiful way for you to kind of hand them over to God. And when you do that, then it becomes their responsibility. They're old enough to figure, if they're old enough to make a decision to go out and party and figure all of that out, they're old enough to go and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. So start directing them to Jesus. So this is a beautiful way that you can actually start to distance yourself from them or their problems, um, but also still be a person that they can go to. And they're, they're not feeling judged or hurt or rejected by you, all you're doing is taking them and putting their focus on God where it should be all the time. So sometimes mentors or Christians can kind of take on this responsibility of being the voice of God rather than, which, which all of this is not wrong. I think you've done a very beautiful job. It sounds like, but take them and start directing them to God rather than directing them to yourself. Um, Someone said, my boyfriend and I have been together for almost nine months and I really hope he's the one I marry. I love him so much. A few months ago, we lost our virginities to each other, even though deep down I knew that's not what God wanted. A few, a few days ago, we both agreed that we should stop and wait until marriage before we do it anymore. We both felt guilty about it and we want to do it the way God designed it. The only thing is we're afraid it's going to get boring or we're going to fizzle out because we know... Oh, because we don't have that very intimate thing anymore since we already overstepped that boundary. My question is, should I be worried that things might fizzle out because we don't have that anymore? We both love each other a lot and have talked about getting married, but that won't be for five or six years due to school. We've both been praying and it individually about it individually and together. What do you think we should do? I think you should continue to pursue the relationship. Um especially if you guys had the same conviction and you both felt the same thing, you both felt guilty about it, you both both felt the conviction and you both want to do it the way that God designed it, I think that you found a partner that you can move forward with. I know a lot of people actually would not advise you to stay with somebody that you have had sex with, but um, I think that if you guys put Jesus at the center of this relationship, you guys can move forward together. I know plenty of people who have um, been intimate before being married and they have a beautiful God 
godly marriage. Um, multiple people, multiple, multiple people, and they they stopped having sex for years. It, it does make it absolutely harder, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that for you, um, but it definitely can be done, especially if you are seeking God. And, you know, you've already been with this person, so I think that it's important that you guys try to make it work, not because you've had sex. If it was a toxic relationship or if you guys weren't on the same page and you had had sex, I would say depart from that person and, you know, then there's a whole other stuff you got to do. But I would say if you guys are both um, seeking God and you want this relationship to work and you want to honor God with your relationship, um, just because you guys have had a mess up doesn't mean that you shouldn't be together. There are going to be other areas that you guys mess up on, but the way that you respond to it, which is how you responded, which was, you know, stopping and repenting and wanting to do it the way that God designed it, I think is a really beautiful testament to the relationship that you guys have. So, um, I say pursue the relationship, forgive yourself, forgive each other and set up boundaries, um, as you move forward. And, I cannot say this enough. I definitely don't think that a relationship that is founded on Jesus is going to fizzle out because of an intimacy that you guys don't have anymore. If anything, um, you guys knowing that you're going to be able to be intimate again after marriage is going to keep that anticipation there and excitement. You know what I mean? So not that, and, and I think that too, I think you're giving sex too much of value and it is valuable. Purity is valuable. You know, it absolutely is, but it's not the only thing in a relationship. So for it to have that much power over your relationship to cause it to go boring, I, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's good. I don't think that it should have that much relation, that, that much weight in your relationship. Um, and if it does, I think that that is an important thing to address. Um, I think you both need to repent for it, set up boundaries and move forward. And I think just asking God's hand to be on it. I think either way that this relationship goes is going to be a blessing because any relationship that is, like I said, founded on the, on the foundation of Jesus is not going to be easily shaken by the fact that you guys aren't having sex anymore because intimacy goes much, much further than the physical, the physical. And if this relationship does end up working out and you guys set up these boundaries and you continue to honor God with your relationship, then that is going to be a blessing as well. So, that's my advice for it. I don't think I wouldn't put too much more thought into it. You know, um, set up some boundaries definitely is going to be difficult, but you know, if you guys aren't together anymore and then you go and you date somebody else, there's still going to be that temptation there because you have been intimate. Um, so it's going to be a struggle no matter where you go. So I wouldn't say give up on this, this relationship just because it's going to be hard. Um, just because you've already overstepped that boundary, regardless of what is going on, you've already overstepped that boundary. So I think, or, or what relationship you're in, you've already overstepped that boundary. So I would say move forward with the relationship. Don't get freaked out that it, things are going to fizzle. Um, I understand that, especially with girls, like that's how girls feel. Like if you can't give physically or if you can't give him something that he wants, you'll feel like he'll lose interest in you. And with the right man, that is not going to be the case. So continue to chase after the heart of God, whether he is chasing with you or not, um, because where he's at in his walk should not define where you at, you're at in your walk. It sounds like you guys are both kind of on the same page though. So I would say go ahead and move forward together and just continue to glorify the Lord and don't do anything in your relationship that does not bring glory to God. Um, someone said, I consider myself to be a f- fervent, fervent, 
fervent Christian. I read my Bible and pray every day and try my best to do what's right, which is hard, which is a hard thing to do for a 21 year old in this day and age. Amen. I have never been in a relationship with anyone and it doesn't help that some of my friends are in relationships. I always pray for God to send me the right man, a Christian man who loves God, but it seems like the men who always like me are never Christian. Amen, sis. Um, I'm reminded daily never to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't share the same beliefs as I do. I am starting to feel really confused, depressed, and extremely lonely. Sometimes I think that maybe I will be single forever. Am I doing something wrong? What is it that I need to do or say for God to change my situation? Okay. Um, so I don't think that there's anything you can do or say for God to change your situation. Um, I think the only thing that you can do is continue to be steadfast and faithful. Um, 21 is still young. And I know that's hard to hear. Uh, I mean, I'm 25 and I still don't have anybody. So um, I think that you know, it's really important for you to just take this time and continue to seek God out. And, and I think that we should not even get into relationships until we're so content. And so, um, just like our hearts are so satisfied in Jesus that we fear having a relationship because of how good our relationship with Jesus is. And we don't want anything to interfere with that. Um, and so I would say just continue to seek the Lord. I don't think there's anything that you're doing wrong. Um, I think you need to use the this use your single season to the best of your ability I really really commend you for continuing to keep yourself pure continuing to be have a standard for a, the relationship that you want because that's very very hard and I totally I totally feel for you because I know it's so so difficult especially when you have people that are interested in you but don't have the same values as you and it can be very very hard to kind of let those let that line blur and be like well he's a nice guy I'll go ahead and enter into a relationship with him so I'm really proud of you for sticking to your values and not being swayed by that and I think that you will honestly be richly rewarded for that and for your just being so steadfast and loyal to the Lord and you know while you're in this season pray for your spouse because you don't know what they're going through or what is on their plate right now and if God were to bring him to you right now he may not be ready so trust in God's timing trust in what he's doing don't let fear or loneliness or depression or confusion creep in and allow and and and, and steal you or you know allow it to you know rid you of this wonderful season that you're in. You have the rest of your life to be with somebody. So go ahead and be, you know, use this, use this season and just be selfish and, and recognize it for all that it's worth and, and enjoy that you can just go and get alone with God at any time that you want. You don't have to worry about kids running around or being interrupted. You can have this alone time and you can be with God. So make the most of it. Um, if it's a desire that God has laid on your heart, I fully believe that he will bring it to pass. Um, someone said, I'm a recent college graduate, well, congratulations, who has to choose between my dream job across the country or my current relationship. Ooh. Although we have only been together five months, I'm in love with my boyfriend and we have talked about getting engaged within a year. I have also worked extremely hard throughout college to get this position and have exhausted my job options in my current location close to my boyfriend. I am torn in this decision. I do not want to sacrifice my career for a man, but I truly see a future with this guy. He is a farmer, so 
he is unable to move to a city, forcing us to do long distance for a year. However, he keeps saying he's willing to try, but does not think it can work out long distance. What should I do? This guy's amazing and I can't stand the thought of being away from him. But if it was meant to be, wouldn't distance not be an issue? I'll be honest. Um, at the beginning, I was like, yeah, go for it. But by the end of it, I'm like, I don't know. If you see, if you see this guy as your future husband, I would say that sacrifice is part of the relationship and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it I have never chosen a man over my career either so I totally get where you're coming from this would be extremely hard for me um I would I would also be thinking the same thing but I think being a like being someone who sees it from the outside if you see a relationship with someone and you said um distance for a year so I don't know if the job is only a year long or I think that's my thing too is like how long are you going to be there um you know is the time zone what's the time zone like are you guys going to see each other I think that if you see a relationship with this person and distance is going to jeopardize the relationship then I think it's worth a second thought of staying um and not that I'm telling you to stay because also I don't want him to manipulate you by saying it's not going to work if it's just a year I think it's definitely doable and you can do it but I think I think that's where I'm confused is you know if you are going to be moving across the country um and we're not sure when you're going to come back and he his you know his livelihood and the way he's planning to provide is where he is at um you know I think that it's definitely worth a second thought um but again, if it's just a year, I think that it's it's doable. And I understand you have exhausted all your job options. Um, I don't know what your degree is or, you know, what your field is, but um, there's always remote opportunities if you would want to stay around where he's at. But I think if you guys have talked about um, being engaged soon, then I think that it's worth it to, to hear him out and to hear what he's hear what he's saying and what's on his heart and because I mean if the tables were turned if the tables were turned um you would want him to hear you out on that as well I feel um so maybe just try to speak to his fear especially if you know it's not going to be for a long time a year or so try to speak to his fear and come up with a plan or um ways that you guys are going to be intentional about your relationship moving forward while you're in this distance season so I would say yes and no distance would be an issue slash would not be an issue. Um, but I think with you guys are talking about being engaged within a year, I think that I think that it's, you know, you're going to have to weigh your options here a little bit and try to because um, because at this point now you're you're not thinking about just yourself. So. I don't know. I think probably until there's a ring on it, you can do what you want. So, you know, I would say until until he has committed to you, I, I would say to, ah, I don't know, move with caution. I think I would definitely move with caution. I know this isn't the best answer, but, you know, try to just seek the Lord and ask him where he wants you to be. Again, like you said, I totally agree. Don't make a decision uh, of your, like, don't sacrifice your career for a man. Instead, try to flip the scroll and um, change your perspective and seek God and ask him where he wants you to be right now. And if it is at home, then you can pursue a relationship with this guy if God is calling you to this job somewhere else then you need to go and you need to spread your wings and 
do what you need to do there. If this relationship withstands that season, then it was a blessing and it was meant to be and you guys can move forward. Um, but if it is not, I think that that will speak volumes to you in um, where to go from here. So yeah, I hope that helps. I did want to leave you guys, um, for those of you who are struggling a little bit right now with all the stuff going on, um, with a few songs, a few worship songs for you to listen to. Um, also go follow us on Instagram at the empowerment project pod. Um, I am always sharing stuff, especially right now related to fear and ways to cope with fear. Um, so if you want to have some Anything that's hopeful that's not related to coronavirus, then definitely go follow us. Um, but I did want to leave you guys with a few songs um, that are just going to help combat fear in this time. Um, or ones that help me, I guess. But the first one, Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Music. Um, the next one is Peace by Hillsong Young and Free. I love this song. Um, and then May God Be Everywhere I Go by mosaic msc i love that song as well um defender by upper room and give me jesus by bethel i think all of these will definitely help minister to your heart in this time so i hope that you guys liked this episode and this little fun advice q a i definitely did like i said if you did not hear um your question in today's podcast know that you will be getting an email very very soon and i hope that you guys were i don't know encouraged and felt related to and i don't know most of you guys i'm right there with you and i'm just learning as well so Anyways, I love you guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and definitely leave a review. And that's all. Anyways, I love you guys. Have a good rest of your week and I will see you very soon. Bye.